Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and England and joining me from across the pond is the statesman to my kingsman, it's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you, sir? Matt, welcome back to the show. I'm glad to see that you have made a full recovery and you are with me again after leaving me alone over here in the States. Oh, my th- thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. It's uh, covid more like Novid, not anymore anyway. Yes, as, as John um, steered the ship ably last week, um, I'm back now after a, my second bout of COVID, fully vaccinated and boosted, but, you know, it's going to get you eventually. But um, as I said to John off it, you know, once you test positive, that's, you're kind of out of action for a week. You can't leave, can't leave the house. You can't do anything really. Um so uh, it was a shame to miss out on last week's episode, especially of a film like Violent Night, which I had a lot of fun with. Um, okay. But I'm glad to be back again this week. I'm so glad. I couldn't think of a a pun to open the show with this week based on the film we're talking about. So I need to uh, shake off some of this rust as we get into the film, my friend. But uh, it's been a couple of weeks. How on earth are you, my friend? I'm doing uh, pretty well. You know, it's it's that time of year for Christmas. Um, today yes. is my last day at work, so I am on Christmas vacation, as we say here, and uh, I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. I'm always looking forward to a little break, and um, I've been watching so many movies, and I actually uh, won't have to watch as many after tomorrow. So, like, I'm actually going to be able to like take a step back and maybe play some video games because I have I, I bought a couple of games that I haven't been able to really dive into yet, and. Um, and yet there's also there's some movies coming out that I'm looking forward to trying to uh, to see um, yes. if I haven't already. Yeah, so, I've uh, spent the last week trying to catch up on films. I say the last week, uh, the last few days trying to catch up, um, looking ahead to the kind of ubiquitous top 10 list or best of list. And of course, the Bampies, which are coming at you in the first week of 2023. Uh, we're very excited to do those. It's always fun, isn't it, man, to do to do the Bampies. I remember doing them in 2022. This will be the th- third installment of the now famous globes but um it's always fun i i always look forward to that time of year when you kind of because i don't know what john's going to pick for his you know top films actors uh, um, this of the year so it's always I mean, a week i look forward to maybe i don't know i feel like this year if you've paid attention there is a movie i've talked about a lot that is a <laughs> pretty clear one. winner um, but yeah, there's, there are some categories that I think will be, uh, not necessarily surprising. And I think because we don't just do our top movie that we do talk about other movies, there might be some surprises there. Um, but again, if you've been listening, there's a pretty clear winner for the year for me. Um, but maybe you haven't been listening. Maybe you're new and you're going to be like, what's the Bampies? Well, there are a version of the Oscars except better because, uh, ours are, you know, there's no real politics from our perspective. We have no influence. We're just having fun talking about things we love and yep. we love movies. Yep, that's what we're here for every single week, and we've been. I think, and I, I think next year will be. Oh, I, I, will it be the fifth year of the BAMP in its various guises? Um, we started in 2017, actually. I, oh, uh, I'm pretty sure. So we'll be the, um, entering the sixth year then yeah. of the BAMP. Uh, Although um, I think it will be the third year of us doing weekly. Um, yes, next year it, it so. was monthly, and then I think it was fortnightly, and then monthly then we did the bampocalypse to when we yep. thought again for the long time listeners know when we all assumed the the pandemic would be pretty short shortly, <laughs> shortly yeah. we thought okay we'll do we'll do like three episodes a week it'll be fine three months thought, later you know, it was still going 
watching apocalyptic films would be a good idea. All it did was drive me into a very deep depression. Uh, yes. Because yeah. it was like, <laughs> we're re- never getting out of this. Rethink this hellscape we were living in. And we thought, oh, let's yeah. watch let's watch Outbreak and Contagion and things. That'll calm us down. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, however, yes, The Bamp. Six years now coming up too, but... For now, we're still in year five. And uh, for those who are new, welcome. We talk about a one film each week. We review it, non-spoiler. Or in tonight's case, m- mid-spoilers. We're not going to spoil anything towards the end of tonight's film. But uh, we are going to go into it with a bit more detail than we usually would. Um, and that film is going to be Pinocchio, Guillermo del Toro's and Pinocchio. Bef- before we get into the stats of this, this, I think this is the first time ever in the same year we are talking about a movie based on the yep. same original property a second time, but a different movie. Like that doesn't happen very often where there's two IPs, right. but different movies completely and uh, not connected to each other outside of the source material. Um, which of course this version is significantly different and not a just remake of it, a beloved animated film like uh, the Robert Zemeckis Pinocchio, which you can go back and listen to our episode, but Matt and I weren't big fans of. Uh, <laughs> nor was Spoiler, the world. I feel like some people good. don't even know it exists. Um, no, it's definitely not going to be on any. Ago. It was only a few months ago, um, but now this one is out. And Matt, why don't you tell them more about it? I shall do. Um, this one, as we've mentioned, was directed by Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafson. Uh, it was also written by Del Toro alongside Patrick McHale. Now, this is a stop-motion animated film. So when we're talking about the cast, we're talking about the voice actors this time. And they include Ewan McGregor as Sebastian J. Cricket, David Bradley as Geppetto, uh, young Gregory Mann as Pinocchio, Bern Gorman as the priest, Ron Perlman as the Podeste, John, uh, John Turturro as Il Datori, Finn Wolfhart as Candlewick, Kate Blanchett as Spazatura, the monkey, <laughs> Uh, Tim Blake Nelson as the Black Rabbits, Christoph Waltz as Count Volpe, and Tilda Swinton as the Wood Sprite and Death, which is sounds very, very Del Toro already. Nice and uh, uplifting for the kids. Now, we don't, like I say, we don't spoil the film, but we will we'll read the synopsis and we will go a bit further than normal. But the synopsis for this one, if you weren't aware of Pinocchio, a father's wish magically brings a wooden boy to life in Italy, giving him a chance to care for the child. Now, Zemeckis' film didn't do well critically or commercially for that matter. So how does Del Toro stack up? Rotten Tomatoes first. The critics have it at 97%. The audience has it at 85%. Metascore has a very, very impressive 80. Um, IMDb user score is 7.9 and Letterboxd is 4.1 out of 5. So, John, these are high scores across okay. the board, which is which is great to see, especially for a an IP or a story, which, like you say, is it's just a second iteration in a matter of months of this same story. Uh, if you want to watch it, you can uh, see it on Netflix now. It did have a limited theatrical release, but it is now... Um, nestling quite nicely in the top 10 trending films on netflix around the world so um so the story of pinocchio as the synopsis said uh geppetto he brings a wooden boy to life to uh replace his son as per the zemeckis film this film also has geppetto mourning the loss of his son and in turn creating a wooden boy to take his place this time though geppetto is a drunk he is depressed this is not a happy film to start off with, uh, especially the manner in which his son 
meets his end, which I'll save for uh, you to watch or for John to explain more so. But um, whereas the original story uh, of which the author, I can never remember his name. So you certainly won't be listening because it's an, uh, it's an old book, but um, I can't, <laughs> well, you never know what happens. They get podcasts yeah. in heaven. I got, if you're listening, in part, I will find out what it's called because it really annoys me that I can't remember what it's here. It, Carlo Collodi, Carlo ah. Collodi's The Adventures of Pinocchio. Um, there was a lot, and the, the Disney animated film had a very fantastical vibe to it, very fantasy, you know, lots of magic going on, and it was all very twee. And Pinocchio wore shorts and um, dungarees and his little bow tie, and it's all very, it's all very nice, all very kind of happy and happy go lucky, family friendly. This isn't. You know, this is Guillermo del Toro, and I know it sounds almost trite to say that, but this is a very different retelling of that story. It's a much darker. There are still fantasy elements to it, but it's a much darker uh, retelling of this story. I still think if you've got older kids, they could watch this. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for kids maybe under the age of eight, maybe. I don't know if I'm being too much of a prude there, but here the story doesn't take place in Fantasy Island or anything like that. It is in the about the 1930s between World War One and World War Two in fascist Italy, where you've got Benito Mussolini's rule, his authoritarian rule, is in place in Italy, and we we've got against a backdrop of impending wars, and we have this boy, this wooden boy walking around, and he's not taken. You know, the locals don't take it to him well. He's ostracised because he's different. And there's some great lines in the in the film where you know Pinocchio himself kind of he asks you know why do people why do people worship this wooden Jesus figure but they they don't like me and I think there's Del Toro having asking him a few crafty questions there but um, it's not all doom and gloom though there's there's humour to be found here crickets mm-hmm. to be splattered and speaking of splat the, the score by. Alexander Desplat is very decent too. The mm-hmm. the songs within it are pretty good as well. Uh, the voice acting I think is very good. David Bradley is the kind of gruff Geppetto. I think is very good. I love Ewan McGregor's voice. I love his narration. I think um, the young young guy who plays uh, Pinocchio, Gregory Mann, I think he's very good. Certainly, when I'm thinking about the Zemeckis uh, film, I don't want to dunk on that too too much. But everything here just seems to step up, especially. Yeah. the animation or the visuals the stop motion here john is fantastic it is mm-hmm. beautiful how they've brought this film to life this story to life it genuinely is marvelous how they have conceived this and how they present this stop motion film it is an absolute beauty and it's it feels very much like a del toro film still it has hit a lot of his um a lot of his tropes uh in it if, if, if I could be so bold, you know, talking about, sure. you know, death, humanity, mortality, uh, all, all these kind of things. Uh, but there are times when the film also manages to kind of wink at the kids and say, come on in, you can, you can still watch this. But, um, you know, there's moments where you know, we are the cricket doesn't get, doesn't come off. Like in the book, the cricket takes a bit of a beating. The monkey, Spazatora, uh, also gets, um, it has a tough life in this film. Uh, Pinocchio himself doesn't come comes out of situations on the wrong end a lot, which leads him to meet K- uh, Tilda Swinton's character, who's just to his death. Um, there's, you know, I'm, I'm, I know we said we're going to this film a little bit more. I'm trying to sort of sidestep some of the more 
spoilery elements per se, but the fact that they changed the backdrop to be in Mussolini's fascist regime is a massive, it's a very bold move, but I think it really works very well. If you're going to make a, redo a story and you're not going to, and you're going to kind of contemporize it in some way, shape or form, I think this is a very good way of doing it, especially how Del Toro compares things and his allegories to other things within this film. Uh, And the actual overall message of this film, I think is, is very good. It's not just, you know, don't lie because lying's bad. It's what it, what is it? It's almost Blade Runner. What is it to be human? Do you need to be flesh Mm. and blood, blood to be human? Who are the puppets in this story? The wooden guy or those following the, the, the Mussolini uh, regime. And this, and there's lots more to it, John, but um, to give yourself a chance though, I thought this was a good. Uh, actually, yeah, I, I enjoyed this film a lot more than Zemeckis's film for hell for sure. Yes. But I really enjoyed this film, John. I thought it was really well um, executed across the board. Uh, I don't yes. think it was entirely perfect, but I thought it was very good. It's probably the best Pinocchio adaptation I've seen. But um, what did you? You haven't so, seen this for you saw it a while ago, didn't you? So what did you think? I did, but I, I remember a lot of it. It did stick with me, even though I've seen so many movies since I saw this. Uh, just like an insane amount. Um, I've I'm over uh, for the year. I've seen 176 movies from 2022 um, and that number is still climbing. Um, This, I think this is to me, it's like four out of five stars. Um, One of the things right away critically that I think is not great. Most of the songs don't really work for me. Um, I think Chow Papa is really good. There's a couple of other songs that I thought were fine, but overall I'm like, "Mm, maybe don't do the musical part. Del Toro. Uh, (laughs) And See, I didn't mind them. He, I didn't like they weren't bad, but they were like they were not earworms. You know what I'm saying? Like they were very yeah, forgettable. You could do without. Chow um, Papa I was do, very good. Yes, and that one's uh, effective. Um, the score is very good. Uh, I I don't think I remember exactly how the film ended, though. To be honest, after a month, um, I remember because again, <laughs> I have other Pinocchios kind of blended in, and I'm like, wait, is it this way or is it that way? But your your comment about the puppets, you have a lot of characters in this that we don't fully have in the other films that are not human, right? Like Spazatora, like you said, and Spazatora's treatment, and then also uh, even Jiminy, right? Like because yeah. Jiminy's a cricket, but he's beholden to Pinocchio in a, in a lot of ways one of the interesting twists in this is he's living inside of a tree that we see Geppetto cut down and turn into Pinocchio. So he's literally his heart, like in, in essence, I mean, he's living in his chest, um, which is not traditionally how, you know, Jiminy Cricket ends up with Geppetto. One thing that I thought is a huge improvement to the story of Pinocchio that Del Toro does without getting into any spoilers is just structurally, to me, the Disney Pinocchio, which is beloved, and then Zemeckis's Disney's Pinocchio, which is not beloved, both are very vignette where like it's each segment just seems like here's a thing, here's a moment that happens. Um, I thought Zemeckis tried to make it feel more causal, and that actually is one of the detriments to the film. A lot of the scenes, like like that doesn't make sense though. Just because you put a reason doesn't mean it's a good reason. Yeah. Everything in this movie really flows. Like why we go from scene to scene is logically to the story that is being told. And that's something I think del Toro does very, very well with his storytelling. Um, Like we understand why we go to the, why he's in the puppet tent. We understand why he goes to the, the war encampment and all of those things, because it logically flows with the story. And even more, we understand why Geppetto builds Pinocchio because I think in the cartoon, the Disney cartoon, because it's the fifties, it's, it's just like, well, Geppetto's lonely. Okay. 
and then in the Zemeckis version, it's elaborated a little more that there's a little more to it. But this, it's he is devastated to the point that yeah. he's become a drunk. That it's leads grief. to the grief, like that leads to the the creation of this puppet. It's not just some weird. I'm gonna make a fake, you know, son. Like that's not really what's happening. It's it's way more emotional in this movie, and the reason that it's c- comes to life too is is makes a lot of sense. Um, when I'm watching this film and I see Spazzatora and I'm looking at this, the cast, I'm like, wait, Kate Blanchett <laughs> is the monkey. And, and you had no does... need for that. Did you really? I don't, it's well, just great. There's at least at, at first it seems impossibly insane. Like you're like, is this a typo? Is this like when she's in hot fuzz for three seconds? Like, um, <laughs> but then it's like, Oh no, there is, there are at least two scenes that that pays off more but you don't see those scenes necessarily coming and that was like really throwing me off but even tim blake nelson as the black rabbits that have like no i did not know that um i i have that was the the netflix box that we got apparently they were different pop vinyls and i got the black rabbit and i'm like when i got it i hadn't seen the movie yet i'm like what is this this isn't in pinocchio like what scene could this be from and then like when i'm watching i'm like oh they're just like spirits hanging out outside of death. Okay. Yep. Um, Del Toro is a filmmaker who I have connected with almost every one of his films. There's a couple that I don't really click with. Um, I, I, I think Cronus is fine. I don't think Cronus is a masterpiece. I love devil's backbone. That's, that's my Del Toro film. I think Pan's Labyrinth is a masterpiece, but for me, my devil's backbone just clicked for me more. I love the ghost story component of it. And I think is a, conversation piece with this movie um if you haven't seen del toro's devil's backbone um both that and pan's labyrinth is about the spanish civil war they are brother and sister films and devil's backbone the setup of the movie is we are following a a young orphan who's being dropped off at an orphanage and in the center of the courtyard of this orphanage is a bomb that was dropped from an aircraft Mm -hmm. but didn't explode but it's just sitting upright this giant bomb as a symbol of this impending doom, this, this threat always looming over everyone. And the bomb falling onto a child is something that in this fascist Italy, I think is something we can connect to uh, pretty obviously. And it's something Del Del Toro comes back to a lot with this, this idea of war and how it affects Mm -hmm. civilians and how it affects those not fighting it, you know? And it only gets more in depth with this movie. Because I definitely, when I came into this, I had no clue the fascist elements were going to be in here. And yep, obviously same. here in the States right now, there's a lot of talk about fascism happening, mm-hmm. whether or not you think that's relevant is not the point. It's, it's in the world. Like it's in the, the zeitgeist and Del Toro taps into it with this movie um, in a lot of ways. And uh, I found all of it interesting. And the highlight though, for me, cause I, I think some of the story beats don't fully work. It it's a little long, um, yeah which is crazy to say for a stop motion movie. Cause if you understand the process that is stop motion animation, <laughs> making them long is easy. like, yeah. yeah. So, um, but the look of this movie is what, what keeps it at a four star for me, despite any objections or any moments where I wasn't fully invested. Um, I do love McGregor, but I want to talk about crickets in a second. Um, <laughs> they're not the new horses. Are they for you? No, no, but there's a funny thing about this year. Um, so, but staying with the stop motion, um, I saw an interview, I think it was on the tonight show with Fallon, uh, with Del Toro talking he brought like, uh, the Geppetto puppet and one of the Pinocchios. Um, but he was talking about how they animated 
the the things that you wouldn't think to animate, like a a bottle rolling and like these little details that make it feel lived in that it's a pain to do because it's extra steps and every like the bo- a bottle rolling across the floor you have to do one frame at a time to make it look smooth and it's extra but it makes it feel real and that's th- this movie is immersive like you yes. almost forget you're watching a stop motion movie um and it, it's gorgeous it's such a great process i would love to see more i mean i'm a big harry uh henry selick fan i know I, I butchered his name both ways just now but um henry selick yeah, see, I'm just, I'm so good at things. The names are not my, <laughs> my forte. I love The Nightmare Before Christmas. I am a big, I like Coraline. I won't sit here and say that I love it, but I do think Coraline is masterful in its animation, though, even if I don't, like, fully click with the story. Um, James and the Giant Peach, I don't love overall, but I, I do, I love all of the stop motion stuff. And um, Wendell and Wild from this year, I think is really, really good. Um, Netflix has three stop motion movies this year um that are not connected to each other outside of the fact they're in netflix but you have wendell and wild from sell it uh you have del toro's pinocchio and you also have the uh house or the house from earlier this year I, that's uh, yes it, it's an anthology film um that i i think is the best of the three uh, overall movie i think all of the stop motion is really good i i do think this movie is the most beautiful of the three stop motion Wendell and wild has some interesting artistic choices that didn't fully click for me that I'm like, I, I get it. It's a choice, but it's just not a choice for my aesthetic. This movie clicks with that because there's a sense of realism. Like Geppetto looks scary, real at times. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I was mm-hmm. just like, wow. Um, and there's so much like fantasy stuff, like with Tilda Swinton's characters as the wood sprite and death, like the style of that whole sequence is so cool. And, and it looks awesome. Um, those elements to me really, really worked. That was uh, hands down what I, I loved most about this movie. But I do think, especially getting the other Pinocchio, this movie destroys that one. Like this movie's like this is what you could do. Um, and it, there, to be fair, Zemeckis is, isn't animated, but it's CG, quote unquote, live action. And he is beholden to the Disney cartoon, where Del Toro is not. Del Toro is not. Del Toro is doing his own thing. Um, with a property we are familiar with, but he's not even concerned if you are. Because a lot of the the themes and morals that we would take from the Disney movies are not his focus here, right? Um, I, like you you said that basically that they, they're expanding on them, but they aren't the, the sole point. It's not lying is bad, right? Because yeah. I think the original one feels like it's more of like a Aesop fable, you know, like, uh, or the boy who cried wolf, like, don't do it. This is much deeper than that. It's, it's in Del Toro's way. But I do think we, uh, I saw this with Big Tuna and a friend of the show, uh, Brendan, um, at, at a theater. We were lucky enough to see it uh, at a local theater. And we stayed outside afterwards and talked for a little bit. And one of the questions I asked is like, who do you think this is for? And hmm. I, I was reminded that when we were kids, a lot of 80s kids movies dealt with death. Like they weren't afraid to to broach these real topics. Like think about E.T. and the death sequence in E.T. Right? Like that scene is devastating. But that movie's for kids. You're supposed to be Elliot's our surrogate. We're supposed to feel for Elliot. And I think in in modern days, maybe we are sheltering too much, um, and maybe we feel a need to because there's so much just readily available that we feel like we have to keep things from people. But death is real 
there's another animated stop motion movie from this year called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On that yes. deals with that topic so well. But it isn't really geared towards children. Even though Marcel the Shell is, I think he's a children's book, but you know, it it's home was YouTube and I think uh the 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 people writing it are more adult oriented. Like we we're Jenny Slate, I think more adults are gonna know who she is than a bunch of kids, not that anyone she's not in the movie, but point being um, this movie, I think Del Toro does want kids to watch it. Like, I don't think he's making this thinking it's for adults. I think he's making this, yes, these subjects are tough, but everyone can benefit from t- talking about it, having the conversations about these. Are they tough conversations? Yes. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have them, you know? And I, I think uh, yeah. that was kind of the consensus we had talking. I don't know what age, like you said eight, maybe that is the age he's thinking, but I definitely think he's he made this for a big swath of people, not just adults. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I, I agree. I agree. I think it's definitely, it isn't, this isn't a mature Pinocchio. It's not aiming for R rated or anything silly like mm-hmm. that. It would, but I think if, when there are moments where you've got a, a fascist leader saying, shoot the puppet and gives the guy a gun yeah. to shoot Pinocchio and what happens with Spazaturo and, Oh yeah, uh, other moments in it, you think, oh, I'm man, not I saying think. it's not brutal. I'm just oh, no, saying, of course, I don't, no, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think yeah. eight for me maybe is the kind of ceiling. But yeah, it's definitely not an adult Pinocchio, if you know what I mean. I agree yeah. with you totally there. So But um, you know, it seems like we uh, it seems like we both enjoyed this film and the ending, um we won't mention that, but the ending seems to have got a lot of people uh, choked up as they watched it. I didn't get me, but I thought it was a very nice ending. I thought it was a very sweet ending and it it played in really well with the theme that You've mentioned, I've mentioned that Del Toro is clearly going for about humanity. You know, you know, what is it to be human? Do you need to be flesh and blood to be human, to have the values and behaviours of a human? I think it's done uh, really very well. So, yeah, no, it, it, the animation is stunning. The voice acting is very good. The Splat score is very good. It's a very interesting uh, way to reframe the story. But I think Del Toro has managed to Managed to pull it off here, my friend. So, uh, is there anything else you want to add about Pinocchio before we move on? Then, uh, no, I think that covers it. Um, I do recommend checking it out if you haven't watched it already, listeners. It's on Netflix. Yep, I agree. It's on Netflix. If you've got Netflix, check it out. If you haven't, well, well, password share with your friends using the new Netflix password sharing. Which is that a thing anymore? Did they say they were going to do that? Netflix are going to try and clamp down uh, yeah. on password sharing. That is still happening, and they're supposed to be adding their uh, their advertised like where you pay less monthly, but you have to watch uh, advertisements. I think that's launching if it hasn't already. Yeah, yeah. If you've got Netflix, watch it on Netflix or your mates, whatever, whatever you want. Just check it out. Um, but that's our Pinocchio review. Then not quite spoiler free, but as spoiler free as we could make it. Uh, but do go check it out and let us know what you thought about the latest Pinocchio offering. Now we move on to our next section, which we call Chuffed Headlines. And here we take a movie or pop culture headline each that caught our attention and we share it with, well, each and every one of you. So JB, what have you gone for <laughs> this week? Yeah, I couldn't resist. Um, so about seen. a month ago, maybe two months ago, Black Adam came to theaters and we, uh, spoiler for Black Adam real fast, but if you haven't seen it yet, you probably don't care enough to- because it's been out for two months. Um, but Henry Cavill's Superman shows up in a post credit scene at the end of Black Adam. And then not long after, I think days after the movie came out, 
Henry Cavill confirmed that he was going to make another Superman movie. I think they, were, they weren't saying Man of Steel 2 is the title, mm-hmm. but that was kind of like getting tossed around. And uh, not long after that, James Gunn, and I i never will remember the other guy's name because I like James Gunn. I don't know the other guy. Um, were announced as mine. co-CEOs of uh, the DC branch of Warner Brothers uh, film studio, that they would be helming the uh, the new um, DC movies. And then yesterday, uh, the 14th of December, um, it dropped that Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill posted a very heartfelt uh, post on social media. Um, very, he's so professional and so charming. Um, and as much as I like Man of Steel compared to a lot of other people, and I like Cavill as Superman, they have now said he is not going to be Superman anymore. That, uh, in fact, James Gunn is writing a Superman script where uh, the character will be much younger, like an entry-level reporter, Clark Kent, um, which I'm actually really interested in because I like movies about reporters. Um, also, I really like what I've seen from James Gunn. So I'm very curious to see, can he write a movie about a, like a sincere, are we going to get like the traditional Boy Scout Superman from Gunn? Mm-hmm. Like, can he do that? Like, he usually writes more about oddballs trying to fit in, right? Like if you think Suicide Squad, Guardians, and even um, uh, the John Cena thing that I can't think of the name of all of a sudden um, that's in Suicide Squad, but nevertheless, Peacemaker. Uh, Peacemaker. Um, those characters are so flawed and Superman is traditionally kind of perfect. So I'm curious to see, can he even do it? But it's big news because very, talk about whiplash. I mean, two months ago, we're getting a new Henry Cavill Superman to nope, sure aren't. Never mind. Forget anything you thought. In fact, this news, and we've also got this week, because I could have pulled like three different DC articles because James Gunn is clearly taking over now that Guardians is done in post um, yeah. and getting ready to drop. He's clearly buckled in and is starting to make uh, changes. We've Wonder Woman 3, Patty, uh, Patty Jenkins not directing. That's been canceled. Um, it sounds like Jason Momoa will not be Aquaman after Aquaman 2 comes out. Uh, we haven't heard anything about Shazam, um, but we... we uh, or The Flash, actually, since they delayed it. Ooh. We haven't heard if that's going to stay canon or not. But this news is starting to imply that for a minute, it looked like they were going to try to re regroup and push back uh, with the original Snyder stuff. This now sounds like anything from the Snyderverse is probably going to be on the chopping room floor before it's all said and done. So big shakeups. And I think for the better, because we're trying to salvage something that is clearly broken. Why not just start from scratch? It, it makes more sense to start from scratch. So uh, that's my headline, Matt. What, what are your, your thoughts? Are you, are you bummed, devastated, um, curious? What, what's going on? It's a funny one because I t- I, I, I'm, so, I'm so on your side when you say it's the right thing to do because I think if James Gunn and uh, it's Peter Safran, the other guy's called, if James Gunn and Peter Safran are going to come in and actually reshape the DCU, you know, change the hierarchy of power, as Dwayne Johnson would say, um, then you have to make sweeping changes. You can't kind of cherry pick from the old whilst creating something new but then saying, oh, you know, that stuff that happened in those other films doesn't count, but it is the same act. Yeah, it gets messy. And I don't mm-hmm. think you can have other actors like Henry Cavill or Jason Momoa come into this new DCEU as different characters because, you know, what's the point? Do you know what? Well, you just got to move on. But which, um, we should point out, sorry. though, that you're not just speculating. Like, it is legitimately been said that they're eyeing Cavill to play another character. They didn't say yeah. which. Yeah, James and Gunn then said Momoa's, this statement, didn't he? Yeah, and Momoa has said um, 
or they've said about Momoa that they want him to be Lobo, which no. I guess Lobo would have enough makeup where maybe you could ignore that it's the same person. But I can't like I can't think of anywhere where Cavill won't just stand out like a sore thumb as like uh, unless he was playing I don't know Shazam, but that would be defeating the whole point. It, so um, it's, I can't it's imagine him being anyone else. No, and I wouldn't want him to be though. He's you know he he clearly loved playing Superman. He he was reintroduced at the end of Black Adam. You know he had he was on I think it was Josh Horowitz show and was announced. Yep, I'm back. Um, and the whole, you know, left the Witcher for, to apparently focus on playing Superman. And now he's been told, well, actually we don't want you anymore because we're moving on. So I think in terms of having a clean slate, it's the right thing to do. I, what, obviously what grinds my gears a little bit is firstly, like you said, it's only been four or five weeks since the announcement was made that he was back. Now I don't know how much or little say Gunn and Saffron had in that clearly not a lot, but it's also yeah, the statement that. that James Gunn put out. I don't think his statement is bad. I don't think it's a bad statement whatsoever. It's just a bit like you where we said, you know, we had a great meeting about, and you know, we've we've been talking about really great opportunities in the future to work with Henry again. And so I thought, you haven't. It, 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 it feels it, like it, it's very hollow to me. It feels like when you, if in a breakup, you're like, look, I don't want to date you anymore but we'll still be friends. It's That's like exactly mm. what it is. I'll keep your number, you know, I'll, I'll check in yeah. every now and then to see how you do. And, and in, you kind of, uh, contrast that with Henry Cavill's Instagram post, which was again, very honest, but you know, he didn't say he wasn't negative, but he didn't say I had a great meeting. He said, I had a meeting. It's very sad news. You know, I love this character, but it is what it is. Let's move on now. Um, you know, Henry Cavill will be fine. He'll, he'll go to Marvel. He'll be James Bond or whatever might be that might be next for him. But, I think it's it's a it's a double it's a it's a funny one. This is you, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. On one hand, it's a difficult decision that had to be made if they're going to keep the integrity of a new DCEU. However, it's sad news because I think Henry Cavill was great as Superman. He looked the part. He loved the character. He'd just been announced as returning, and the world loved seeing him again in the blue suits in yeah. that post-credit scene. So. You know, it's. Uh, I'm with you though. That you know, the the heart over the head. The head is right. I think in this sense, saying they they made the right call for their new world, which apparently we're going to get more. We're going to get the first updates in the new year. They said probably towards the end of January 2023, we're going to start to hear now what James Gunn and Peter Safran's plan is for the DCEU. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they're going to do, but also like, do you just cut off because we have all these pending movies that are already made and, and that's the big the Batman 2 don't forget as well which is not connected and we also have Joker 2 which I'm still reeling hmm. over but Lady Gaga's in it yeah I know <laughs> what's it called F- Folly Folly Adieu I think it's called yeah I... which is French Maybe for the sequel good. I think or the second uh, but film. again so there's already a precedent for like that's gonna be the second Harley Quinn but a separate harley quinn from the other i don't know we definitely want to True. get rid of jared leto's joker though right like that needs to be a race <laughs> yeah, um, please please do i i, I mean no look the, the the exciting part is now who's going to be the new who you know let's just let's let's get re- the flash movie let's just get it done with we haven't got to talk about that absolute crapshoot anymore aquaman 2 has apparently got a 205 million dollar budget is that going to be a bit pointless now with that entire film we'll, we'll see um but you know like i think you said john the flash they can retool for the whole flashpoint story to reset everything. But the exciting part is who's going to be the new Superman. Who's going to be the new Aquaman, the new wonder woman, the new 
you know, insert character name here. So that's going to be fun. But I think it's, I think a lot of fans are upset JB for right, rightly or wrongly. And it may even have had a little bit more pressure on the shoulders of gun Safran and whoever steps into the role now, because, you know, they're taken over from somebody who the fans really, uh, really loved as, as the character. Yep. Well, that was my headline. What was yours? Well, mine is we're going superhero this week, JB, which doesn't always happen. But um, for my mine is all about the best superhero film of 2019, I think it was. Mm. Um, and the headline is new Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse trailer is a window into the multiverse. John, I'm sure you're aware, but into the Spider-Verse has now got its sequel coming up. It's called yes, Stars. Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. They dropped their first trailer for it uh, this week. And I thought into the Spider-Verse was fantastic. Generally thought it was a wonderful film. It, it made a ton of money. It won for best animated okay. feature at the, the Oscars. Um, I think it dethroned Pixar for the first time in a long time. And the story was great. Miles Morales was great. And seeing all the multiverse Spideys coming out was just wonderful before we even thought about no way home we would have these great uh voice actors coming out to voice these uh the different iterations of spidey but now we are getting across the spider verse and the first trailer dropped and i think it looked very good john we thought the art in the first film was great i think there were six different art styles just in this trailer alone which is well it, it is extremely impressive you've got you had almost like um watercolor impressionistic watercolors um you've got it's, it's all very distinct com- uh compared to you know what we're used to in animation it still kept that vibe the flavor though of into the spider-verse for me and the uh the story itself uh the synopsis says after reunited with gwen stacy Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is catapulted across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. But when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other spiders and must redefine what it means to be a hero so he can save the people he loves most. Um, I thought the trailer looked great. I can't wait to see everybody back. And we've got the, um, we've got a lot of people coming back to reprise their roles uh, in this, which is, part of the most exciting thing for me because i thought the the voice acting in the first film was so damn good shamik moore yeah. as miles morales was was excellent um the oscar isaac as spider-man 2029 he's back again obviously hayley steinfeld's coming back as spider gwen but we're getting uh daniel kaluuya come on as spider punk Issa ray as jessica drew shaya wiggum as gwen stacy's father uh, and so so many more i mean this daniel kaluuya being in there is exciting enough for me my friend but especially i thought spider-man yeah spider-punk come on hobie brown so i thought the i thought the trailer was very good i'm i'm excited for this i'm I'm very very excited for this film john um you know what are your thoughts on the upcoming across the spider-verse so trailer and film the first movie is in my top 10 all-time films um yes it's great. I, I, I am a huge fan of it uh it's it's that and Spirited Away are usually what I list as my two favorite animated films. Um, mm. I just think they're both masterpieces, and I it's hard to like not put Spirited Away above it. But I am kind of notoriously a comic book nerd when it comes to the movies. I often love them, and that one is just a masterclass in every way. Um, I think it is also my highest rated comic book movie on my all time list. Uh, 
just because I I love Spider Man anyways, but I really I really like Miles' um, character so much, and I have not watched the new trailer yet. Though uh, I mm-hmm. actually was just trying to watch it without the audio while you were talking, and then I wasn't <laughs> sure if that was causing my internet issue, so I decided to stop. Um, so I haven't seen it. Uh, I am going to watch it. A lot of trailers dropped this week, though, and it just I've been busy, and I've been like. I'm so focused on 2022 movies. I'm like, I'll wait to look at all the 2023 trailers for another few days. Um, but I am going to watch it. I'm with or without the trailer. I'm very hyped for this movie. It's definitely going to probably be maybe one of the, the top five most anticipated films of 2023. Possibly. Possibly. You'll have to check out the Bampy episode listener to find out, but it's definitely uh, on my radar. It was supposed to come out this year at one point, And then it was pushed back. Um, I don't remember for sure when they pushed it back, but they did push it back. And uh, I was bummed, but at the same time, I'd rather them push it back and give us a great movie than rush it and it be not as good as the first one. So I'm hoping what we're getting next year is going to live up to our hopes. Yeah, I think it will. I'm with you on that, my friend. It may or may not be in the top five anticipated film for 2023, which is a new category. It's not a category, a new feature in the Bampies for next year. We're going to be dropping some of the films we're looking forward to in 2023. And then 12 months later, Let's see. Well, we're already looking ahead to 2024. Let's see how many of those actually made the made the bill, made the cut. Hopefully, across the Spider Verse is one of them. JB. So uh, that's that's our headlines. There was, like you say, that there's so much more we probably could have thrown in that we didn't. But uh, we've gone for those two, and now we move on to our next section: media consumption. We're going to talk about the films, the streaming series, the TV shows, the video games, the music podcasts which aren't ours comics whatever it is we've been using to pass the time since the last show john you've always got a big old list what you've been checking out well as per usual i listened to the newest episode of blank check which uh they're covering the henry Selleck movies uh monkey bone this time um his only full live action movie although there's still some hybrid animation stuff in it um good episode wild movie um, has one of the uh, McElroy brothers. So if you're familiar with my brother, my brother and me, uh, Justin is on uh, as the guest, which I'm a big fan of that podcast as well. So it was fun having uh, my podcast crossovers when they happen. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, before I get into movies, I also, um, I bought call of duty, modern warfare two. And nice. so I've been hopping on that when I can just doing multiplayer. I don't usually care about the story for call of duty. No offense. I just, I play it for the multiplayer. Um, I've had a lot of fun with that and I've been, I'm very close to beating Gotham Knights, but I have not formally beat it just yet. I'm, you enjoying I definitely it? think I'm towards the end. I am having a blast with it. I love the characters. Um, I obviously love Batman. Um, so the being in that universe is fun and I, I like the, the, the gaming. I, I think it's, I think they did a good job where you can easily go back and forth between the characters and you don't feel like you have to like grind to keep all the characters leveled up the same. Like you're pretty able to move back and forth between all of them and, and find which one really works for you or use the one that is best for the, the scenario. Cause they, they each have different talents. I've yet to do multiplayer though, to see how that really works with multiple uh, characters, but I'm, I'm up to try once I beat the game, I think. Sweet. That said though, I have watched a few movies. Um, I'm going to go kind of in order since I last uh, talked about it, but I watched 2010, the sequel to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, here um, we go. Uh, starring Roy Schreider, who I obviously Brody as, as in Jaws is one of my favorite characters. I love that performance. I love him in all that jazz. Um, and he's in the French Connection. You know, good net, but he's not the prime guy in French Connection. But mm-hmm. 
2010 solid dude like uh i when i first heard there was a sequel i laughed i was like it must be terrible because i've never heard of it um and then blank check uh did a patreon episode for it because of them covering kubrick and they did a doctor sleep episode and they did a, a 2010 episode because those are the two kubrick films that have sequels even though they're not directed by kubrick um 2010 is a really solid sci-fi film that uh, yeah. explores you know continues the uh the the story from 2001 um, in interesting ways, and I liked it. Uh, I don't think it's like a masterpiece, but it's definitely a really solid sequel. M- more than it, uh, c- considering no one seems to talk about it, people should check it out. It's worth it's worth watching. Have you ever seen it? I have, yeah, and I'm with you on that. I think I mentioned it on the show. It's either this one or movie astrology that I had seen it, and it it's fine. It was pretty good. It's considering that it's following up what is known as a classic of film, yeah. not just the genre. One of the best it's, films of all time. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like psycho two, which is a, a fantastic watch. sequel, but it just doesn't get spoken about. Whereas 2010 may not be a fantastic sequel necessarily. It's still very, very good. Decent. It's a very solid sci-fi film too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I caught that, um, because I wanted to, I've had that episode like in my back catalog for a while, uh, from Patreon and I needed to, to watch the movie so I could listen to the episode. Um, then I caught a documentary from this year called Goodnight Oppie, which is about the two Mars rovers, um, uh, oh, cool. Opportunity and I forget the name of the other one because it's not the name of the movie, but um, it, they were only supposed to last 90 days. Like if they went to Mars and they lasted 90 days, it was a success or 90 souls, I think might be more accurate. And it ends up lasting like 15 years um, and they're able to really explore Mars and do things. And I kind of knew about it, but didn't know about it. And uh, the... If you like Wally, this documentary is going to work for you because there is definitely Wally vibes from the the two rovers and the personalities that they seem to have and the AI conversations. Um, but also like the interviews, it's just a really well made documentary. A lot of a uh, lot of recreation to be able to show the rovers on Mars because that's obviously there's no footage of them on Mars because if there were cameras on Mars, we wouldn't need the rovers. So exactly. like all the times we're looking at them like rolling across is all CG, but it looks outstanding. So it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I forget I had a, a consideration screener for it. I, I think it's prime that it's on, but I'm not sure if it was a prime doc or if it's um, Disney. It's one of those two big ones, but uh, worth looking up. Um, went and Reese watched elf on the big screen for the first time. The, the 2003 Will Ferrell <laughs> elf. Um, they, our local theater had a retro screening. My wife and I went and watched it. Um, we're both huge fans of that movie. It was fun seeing on the big screen. Um, caught Ahed's knee um which if you were are able to see no bears this year those two films are companion pieces accidentally they are not actually in, in any way connected outside of thematics um both are about a filmmaker trying to make films that are being censored by their government and they're really compelling both are excellent i i really thought Ahed's knee was fantastic um caught nanny uh, which is on Prime, but I, I watched a four-year consideration screener. Uh, very, very well-made, interesting horror film. Um, it feels familiar. And I haven't been able to quite pull what movie it reminded me of, but there's a lot there that will probably feel familiar. I've heard it's um, quite good, yeah. Yeah. I, I I think I was not fully in the mood for it when I watched it, and I wouldn't mind re- re-watching I still gave it four out of five stars, but like other people, I think I've put it higher than that. Yeah. Um, which the next movie for me got five stars and i think other people are going more four stars but i watched living uh which is uh, the remake of ikaru which i've not seen i think i'm saying mm-hmm. i hope i'm saying ikaru right um 
uh, it might be Ick Iru. I'm, I don't know, but I've never seen it. I bought it on Criterion last month. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet because I've been watching 2022 movies and I decided to just jump into living without knowing Bill Nighy is amazing in this movie. And this movie resonated with me in yeah. so many ways. Um, I can't wait to watch Ikaru. I'm definitely going to watch that over the next two weeks. Once I have voted for the 2022 films for the CACF, um, Ikaru is going to be checked off my gap list for sure, because I loved living. I living to me is a must see film. Uh, I don't, I don't think it will connect for, with everyone the way it did for me, but it really, really connected for me. Um, have you had a chance to see living? No, I want to watch Living. I've heard it's uh, a very, very good. I saw the trailer for it and whatever the last film I saw was in front of that. And I've heard that, you know, British stalwart Bill Nye, he's very good in it. So uh, looking forward to mainly just for Bill Bill Nye's performance, uh, especially when we're coming into the Oscar season now. He gives some tremendous scenes. Um, That So I watched that and I I cried a bit at Living. Mm -hmm. Like There was a few scenes towards the end that really like shattered me kind of crying. And then I was like, okay, time to watch A24's Close, <laughs> um, a movie that just the trailer made me choke up a little bit. Uh, I didn't love Close. I, I like it very much. I think it's very good. I don't think it's a, a, a must-see film, but I do think it's one of the most devastating films. That I, oh, damn. Again, went into the trailer expecting it to be kind of devastating, and then the movie was like, oh, you thought it was this? It's even more devastating, and I won't get into why or how, but man, it's emotional. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Really worth checking out, though. Again, I was, by not calling it a must-see, it's not saying in any way that it's bad. It just didn't fully click for me all the way across. There's some stuff at the end that I think it kind of doesn't do a ter- terrific job wrapping up the story. Um, but overall, it's very, very good, and again, I think it's very emotional, um, and I think worth exploring, for sure. Uh, I already saw it. It's officially out now, but I saw on Monday, actually, I'm sorry. I saw on Tuesday, Avatar, the way of water, which we will be talking about next week on this episode of the show. Sorry, next week's episode of the show. Uh, So I won't get into much, but um, it is very, very pretty. The last thing I got to see this a lot earlier, but there's no embargo. So I can talk about it. I got to see a digital screening of Puss in Boots, the last wish. Here we go. So, Matt, I don't know how you feel about Shrek or the Puss in Boots first movie. Um, I don't mind Shrek. I don't. The, Puss in, the first Puss in Boots film was okay. I liked it. I actually liked it more than I, I. I kind of had written it off and came to it very late, and was like, "Oh, this is way better than I would have thought it would be." Especially for a spinoff movie of a tertiary character, it's there. And I think the reason why it works is Antonio Banderas loves doing it. Like he seems so in the pocket with Puss in Boots. It's basically Cat Zorro. And he seems like he has fun. And that's my number one thing about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, is Banderas and Hayek seem to be having a blast. Like, the, their energy comes through the cartoon, and I thought it was great. The animation style in this is more akin to Spider-Verse, where it's a multiple-style movie. There's different animation styles throughout the film, and they all really, really work. Um, and then uh, the cast outside of the two leads is nuts. Do you know that Florence Pugh is in this movie? Yeah, I saw. And Olivia Coleman is in this movie? I didn't um, know that. Uh, she plays Mother Mama Bear, and Florence Pugh is Goldilocks. Yes, they are connected. Um, John Mulaney is in this, and the, the name that I was most excited to see was Harvey Gillen. If you are a fan of What We Do in the Shadows, the TV series on FX, he is Guillermo, and he is so good 
in this movie. Um, and that's the thing. This movie is sincere and sweet and not at all cynical, which was surprising. Cause I think the Shrek movies have always had a little bit of cynicism to them. And this one doesn't feel that way to me at all. And it's mostly because of um, uh, Harvey Gillen's character who is so sweet and so sincere. And the trailer sells his character falsely. He feels he's the dog who tries to do the, the cat eyes and his like eye bulges. And he looks yeah. a little gross. There's a part where he's like, pet my belly. And you see like a scar on his belly and his belly's kind of bulging. But that's not how the character is treated in the film whatsoever. He's actually just a sweet innocent loving character um and i really really like this movie um it's to me four and a half out of five stars like it's i've heard great. nothing but good things about this film john yeah it, the it's like 97 percent, i think on rt like no, no way i would have been expecting that this movie's great i'm very all on board on this um it's not my favorite animated film of the year by any means but i do think it's really really great and i earlier mentioned a cricket because of the nature of uh, Shrek, right? We reference fairy tales and things like that. There is a Jiminy Cricket type character, clearly referencing Jiminy Cricket. But the the actor who I don't even know who's... It's not a famous actor. He might be a famous voice actor, but I did not know the guy's name. But um, he's doing a James Stewart impression <laughs> as this cricket who has a conscious. And it's the best cricket performance of the year. Big Tuna, I messaged him. I'm like, this cricket's doing James Stewart. And Tuna responded, he's my favorite of the three. And I did not click what he meant when he said that. I was thinking, I'm like, is there two other crickets in this movie? And there aren't that I saw. I was like, maybe I blinked and missed other crickets. And then when we started to record today, it clicked what he meant. We've had three versions of Jiminy Cricket this year. Because we have JGL and Zemeckis. We have Ewan McGregor and Del Toro. And then we have this guy who isn't a big time superstar actor like McGregor and JGL, but gives the best performance because he channels James Stewart. What better person would have been Jiminy Cricket than James Stewart? Like, ah, I don't think you should do that, Pinocchio. I don't do a good James Stewart. But imagine Stewart saying that type of line. And it, it's great. This, this movie, I'm so, so shocked at how good Puss in Boots' uh, Last Wish is. Um, definitely when it comes to theaters, listeners, check it out, Matt. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. We're not doing an episode on it because I don't think either one of us even realized it was coming out when we were planning our episodes. Um, but you know what? I would have, it's great. So that's what I've been watching Matt. What about you, sir? Well, not pushing boots. Yeah. I don't know when it comes out in the UK, but, um, had I seen it on, had I seen it on the slate, I would have, I would probably would have thought, eh, I'm sure there's probably other films to watch ahead of that. But now yep. seeing everybody else's thoughts and, and hearing your glowing testimony of it, <laughs> I'm quite looking forward to putting boots of last wish, John. Um, me, I've been, I have a bit of time off because of the, the, the Rona. I didn't watch as much as I wanted to last week. I watched the world cup, of course, and England's glorious defeat as usual. But, um, I've been listening to the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. I mentioned Josh Horowitz earlier on, actually. But I listened to his interview with Austin Butler, um, John Boyega, and his latest with Kumail Nanjiani, which was released maybe within the last day or two. Uh, And it's great. I think you'll like it as well, John. You know, Kumail, it's his first interview on the podcast for five years. So obviously since then, it's post the big sick of the Eternals star wars uh, obi-wan kenobi and the the chippendales thing welcome to chippendales thing he's doing now so 
It's very fun, very earnest, very funny interview um, on the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast. So been checking that out as uh, as per. Um, in terms of TV, nothing as usual, but we did get over on at Sessions HQ the first 14 episodes of wow. The Bad Batch, the new animated series, which drops Star Wars animated, which, st- which drops on, I want to say the 4th of January. 14 out of 16. They didn't give us the two final episodes. So, you know, they, they obviously don't trust the world with that. So I've watched the first seven or eight because they're only what, 20 minutes long of those. And I can't say anything. I'm, I'm not allowed, but I think there's going to be a social post up on sessions in the next day or two just with, with our kind of top level social media thoughts. Um, but films though, John, it's that time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Oscar season and Bampy season. Mm-hmm. So I've got to catch up with um, as many films as possible. Like you with the Critics Association of Florida um, votes. I've got to do mine for the Film Critics Association UK, which I did actually um, submit. And then I thought, oh, crap. I'm, no, I want to change them. So I'm now changing them. We've got another week on those. And the Golden Tomato, we're on Tomato Awards as well. We've got until the... Uh, I think the end of the month to get those in. So I want to watch as much stuff as possible. So I've started with Emancipation, the Apple TV Plus original with Will Smith and the uh, the, the slavery story of which is being told. Uh, it's fine. It's overly long. It's Antan Fuqua and does a slave film. So it's yeah, it is what it is. You know, some parts some parts of it are very good actually. Like the 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 war scenes towards the end are very well realized you know very very big in scope and I, I thought they were very good but the rest of the film can't decide if it's a drama an epic a thriller an action film uh it's it, it's really up tonally unbalanced will smith's good in it though i think will smith's very good in this film i know there's obviously slapgate from last year yeah uh, he's now an oscar winner and how do i say it without being a cynic I think he has been instructed well to do this film to try and curry favour with the general audiences, um, and I think he's very good in it. I don't think he's going to win at the Oscars. I don't think he, I don't even think he may not be nominated, but it's a very solid, very very good performance from uh, an actor who's growing into his craft more and more. Um, I caught Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery just before catching r- coronavirus. John, which we'll be doing in two weeks we will do so i'm not going to say too much more about it i have put my review out about it but um all i'll say is i liked it and how much further into that i'll go we'll do that in two weeks time but uh, a thumbs up from me for glass out onion and knives out mystery considering knives out was my number two film of 2019 i think it's the year it came out so i uh, had big shoes to fill now i also watched after sun which i know is a film john was waiting for me to watch and tuna as well because it's a british film which has been getting a lot of it's an indie darling it's getting a lot of uh love from critics or in these end of year lists it's appearing quite high and i watched it and it's good it's good you know i just didn't connect with the characters in it dude um, thank god i'm with you 100 okay, percent. okay good I, I didn't dislike it let me just get out right now but i yeah it didn't it, it didn't captivate me i wasn't overly I, I, I will admit the ending got me the ending crushed me as a as a father of a young daughter the ending crushed me but that was simply yeah, but you're not a bad father that's oh no yeah exactly <laughs> i just put myself in the shoes of uh without yeah. spoilers you know you know dad saying goodbye to kid and then sort of having to turn around and be like right back to normality for the time being kind of thing. I was like, oh, I hit home, but 
the rest of the film the rest of the film's fine john but it's set in right. the 90s um and it's it, it it's good but look, there's some weird framing device stuff a lot of love I, I don't, man. And I like not the, the love that it's getting, I think, is just too much. Like, I could see maybe making an argument for the actor, but I've seen people advocating for screenplay, and I'm like, what? Yeah, I don't agree with that. So it's, it's that kind of film. It's got that vibe and that, the, the way, it, just the way it's shot, the way it feels, and the story. It, it just feels like a film that, for example, IndieWire would, they'd eat this all day, every day. Is that yeah. kind of film? I wanted to love it and it just, it did not resonate with me. Also, I, I thought some of the decisions with the structure don't make sense. Like yeah, there's stuff quite going confusing. on where I'm like, I didn't know what we were like. I didn't know we were watching through her eyes as an adult for a good chunk of the movie. And that's the framing device you're supposed to understand. <sighs> yeah. and I'm like, I didn't get that from the beginning of the movie at all. Like it took to like the middle before I realized what yeah, exactly we were being presented with. Um, yeah. And then there's some weird, like, dreamlike stuff that again i'm just and i feel like i'm usually pretty good at that kind of thing and it did not res i don't want to get into after i just think it's getting too much praise like i think it's fine yeah, yeah but I, agree. I don't think it's a masterpiece i think like like roma and other films before it tuna hudson and mm-hmm. book are the unholy triumvirate we don't hate yeah. the film i don't think i don't know about tuna i know he wasn't as big a fan either but it's you know it's got its merits the karaoke scene's very good anytime i can hear losing my religion i'm gonna have a dance but um that's about it, really. Um, I I watched Triangle of Sadness. I can't remember the guy's name now who directs it. Hand in my hand in my art house card. He's a Cannes Film Festival and Venice favorite. Begins of R. I can't think of his name. He did um, the Square and that yeah. last year. Um, I, know I watched, exactly who you're talking about. Don't know his I can't name. Think his name either. I watched Triangle. I enjoyed Triangle of Sadness as well. Again, this this isn't not going to work for everyone. It is again. It's without meaning to denigrate. It is the kind of it's the indie wire crowd film. It's you know it's very it has that vibe to it, but this one worked a bit more for me. I think it's too long. Um, but I think the, there is one actress whose name I can't remember who starts to film off as a toilet cleaner, essentially, and then rises to uh, a, a position of more prominence later on in the film. I think she's very, very good in this film and isn't being spoken about enough in terms of end of year lists. And I also want to say, like we say each week, we're aware that not everybody cares about end of year lists or awards, but, they're fun. I like them, but um, so I don't think she's getting enough love. But I like Triangle of Sadness. It, it, it hasn't punctured my top ten. Uh, I will say that I don't think it's even the top fifteen, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. That that animated film you mentioned, John Marcel the oh. Shell with Shoes on. I finally got to see it, John. So excited. finally got to watch it. An hour twenty minutes of pure animated j- delights, pure joy, pure sweetness, pure earnestness, pure sincerity. I loved it. I thought it was really very good, John. Um, You'll have to remind me the is it Jenny Slate, isn't it? Who, who voices? Yeah, who voices my such a wonderful job of oh, voicing so Marcel. It's such a like I say, happy go lucky, earnest film. But there's so much going on as well. It's not just a a story about the, a show who becomes a viral sensation. There's much more to it you know, than well, the uh, commentary and, about that in that movie is insanely deep too. Like exactly, you could easily look at it and think. Yeah, it's a you know it's a bit it's a bit fluffy and warm, but there's a lot going on. You know, family, foul family, um, the, the 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 commentary on well internet sensation as well. There's a lot going on behind the surface, but on top of the surface, it's a really well realised and a wonderfully performed film. It's a it's it's a feel good film for sure. I think. Yeah, uh, I I actually did watch this this week again. I saw this back in June or July, yeah. but um, I bought it on Blu-ray from A twenty four. They're like special edition, and um, my IB film class. We are studying uh, their next project is about identity, whether that's self identity 
or um, cultural identity or like societal problem. And Marcel the Shell hits all three of those in very interesting ways. Absolutely. So we watched that on uh, on Wednesday. And I had t- told them strictly that it was like, oh, it's such a feel good, optimistic movie. And they watched it and they loved it. But they're like, yes, it, they were they, like four kids were like in tears multiple times throughout that movie. And they're like, I thought you said it was happy. I'm like, well, it ends happy. <laughs> you can have happy. You can have happy tears, guys. Come on. Yeah. I was like, it's like the cure. It's happy, sad, right? Like it's what it is. Like <laughs> It's exactly um, what it is. And hey, look, we've got a we've got a most feel good category in the Bampies. Who's to say this film isn't going to be on one of them? May not be in any mm-hmm. of them, but it could be on one of them. Um, but you know, I it's I important very much to note that. Um, even though it is hybrid live action, it is uh, has officially been eligible now an for the film, best yeah. animated film at the Oscars. So it is an animated film first now officially because initially it was not allowed, and they fought and they were rewarded because it deserves to be nominated for best anima- uh, animated film. Yep, it's going to be a good category, as as it usually is in the animated feature. Uh, I also watched uh, Noah Baumbach's White Noise. Um, I texted John earlier on about it. So I couldn't remember what he thought about this film. I, for some reason, I thought he wasn't a fan, but it turns out he he was. He really enjoyed it. Um, I, I know you mentioned it a few weeks ago on what this I section. Said, what I had said was, I love it, but I don't think most people will. And gotcha. <laughs> That might be what uh, you resonated with, like me going, it's really not for everyone, but man, this movie just clicked for me. Man, I I, uh, I like the film. I'll, I'll say that now. Uh, again, speaking of 2019, Marriage Story was my favorite film of that year. It came out of nowhere and took number one spot. So I was really excited for this. You know, Greg Gerwig, Adam Driver, and everybody else who was in this film. And I, you know what? I, I like the film, but I really like the first half of it or the first two thirds. When it got, the, the the further into the film it got, it's for me it became it started to it stumbled and lost its way. Um, I didn't dislike it still, but it is it felt like a different film, which apparently the book in itself is quite was always going to be tough to adapt. But um, I liked the film though. I certainly liked the first half, and there's a what a brilliant scene, superb scene of Adam Driver and um, War Machine. I can't think of his name. Um, the uh, the, the actor who plays War Machine, who has name I can't remember. Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. There's a great scene of Don Cheadle, Adam Driver, basically having a... They're, they're teachers, and they're in a classroom, and they're having this friendly kind of oh, rap so battle-esque good. scene where they're basically saying, you know, Hitler and uh, Elvis Presley. There's not much difference between the two of them if you look at it from these angles, and that, and it's, it's, it's very fun, especially because considering, obviously, Adam Driver's character and his role within the within the yeah. education establishment of which he works at. Uh, I think I thought all oh, that was brilliant. I thought the acting was very good. Uh, yeah, it just, for me, it lost its way towards the end, but you know, it redeemed itself at the very end for I me. But, it no, so wild. Yeah. It's odd. It's really weird. And I like, I think it's a 24 as well, isn't it? It's also, if you've seen Bombach's other stuff, it is a huge departure for his it's other huge. styles. Is this the first film he's done, which isn't his story? Um, I I don't know for sure, but I think so. And also, but it's definitely the most not people talking in a house movie for him. Right, Absolutely. like most of his movies are just people talking in like normal situations. This movie's like we'll start there, but then it's going off the rails. Get ready, it like it's places. Yeah, uh, and the, there's a Wes. And- obviously, Bombach w- trained with Wes Anderson and yes. has a lot of Anderson in his movies. But this is the most Wes Anderson moments. Even though there's other things too, but there's a musical number that is 100% Wes Anderson. <laughs> uh, 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. No, the, the first two thirds of this film, I think, really caught me. The last kind of act or hour, I wasn't as sold on, but taken, taken on its own merits, I think it's really good. Um, so White Noise was very decent as well. Another very good film was Decision to Leave. I watched that Love now. This. It's on Mubi over here in the UK, Amazon Prime. Same here, same here. It's the best noir film I've seen this year. It's a fantastically oh. nuanced, romantic mystery film uh, with some fantastic performances in it. Um, yeah, again, it's a film which I've seen plastered around online for know, a couple of months now. I know it did well at, on the festival circuit. I think it did well at Cannes. But um, I've been wanting to watch it for a couple of weeks, and a one of the one of the, my journo mates in the UK, Clarice here, was what I saw her. Po- she posted something on Twitter, and I was like, "You know what? I've got to watch this. I'm going to watch it now. Give me my movie." So I watched it, and I really, really liked it. John, you've seen this, haven't you? I have. Yeah, big this, fan. And you're a fan, yeah, yeah. No, re- big, big fan of uh, decision to leave. Go check it out if if noir mystery r- mystery romance films investigative films are your thing for those who are baffled by subtitles there are subtitles but as um it's park chan wook uh who yo, did, the original old boy and handmaiden which are the three i've seen and i absolutely love all three of those movies so it's, it's fantastic I, and like like uh, bong joon ho said if you can't get over an inch barrier of subtitles come on you know <laughs> you, you can yeah. do it guys come on uh, and the final film i watched was uh five cream was scream five uh for the reason that it it's still charting highly in my top end of year lists based on the fact that i liked it when i saw it in january 2022 it's almost a year now since scream five yeah. was released so i wanted to go back and watch it and just think and just to check you know i wanted to do a little uh little acid test here does it warrant staying in this place you know i might it may may be on the same star level as some of the other films but is there some recency bias or or whatever else going on but no i i i enjoyed scream five just as much the second time round. i know it's got its detractors but i think it's a very cool reintroduction to well the franchise of which they are now prolonging we've got scream six coming out in three months they just released their first teaser they're taking it out of woodsboro for the first time uh so hopefully that's decent the trailer was teaser trailer was pretty solid so um that's what i've been checking out john i've still got a few more i'm expecting next week's bamp to be full of more yeah. as we lead up to the end of the year here but you i know you've also got a lot of not catching up to do but you've got a lot of films you want to check off your list before the end of the year yeah i do um so i expect a long list and i'm on vacation so like i i will be watching stuff because my wife will still be working most of next week so i'll be at man. home and i'll be like hey movie time um but lots of gaming, I think, next week, too. You're a very lucky man, John. Um, well, uh, John's bloody awesome. I can be as well. But we have to maintain those levels of bloody awesomeness each week in order to bring you guys the aptly titled Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. So, John, how have you been staying bloody awesome since the last episode? Well, it's the Christmas season, and I want to be more in the Christmassy spirit. So I've been listening. Um, two things. I signed up for Spotify Premium. Um, I use YouTube Music and have used YouTube Music on my phone for like the last four or five years. And having switched to Spotify just recently for just temporary even, um, the app sucks on the <laughs> phone. Like It's I really, like it. considering, considering it's, well, it's not as good as YouTube music. It does stupid things that I think are not intuitive. And one of the things that drives me nuts is like, I'll have a queue set up and if like my network changes, like if I leave the Wi-Fi, it'll just like drop my whole queue as if I wasn't listening to stuff. 
and okay, YouTube I don't music need to has okay. YouTube music has never done that to me. And like the little, there's little things that I'm just like, YouTube music is better. And I don't understand why more people don't use it, but nevertheless, I made a Spotify playlist that I'm calling Berkmas music. And these are <laughs> my favorite Christmas songs. And, uh, a lot of them are from movies you might expect. Um, and then there's a lot of rock Christmas music, my favorite Christmas album right now. And for the, like the last two years is, uh, pop goes Christmas. I'm sorry. No, 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 not pop goes Christmas. Hang on. I'm trying to get the album. Uh, again, this app is not intuitive and it doesn't do things that I want it to do. Partly maybe because I've been using the other one for so long. Punk, punk goes Christmas, the deluxe edition specifically. Um, it's a bunch of punk bands doing like some famous, like iconic Christmas songs, but then some original songs that I just think are so my attitude and vibe. Um, I've, but and then Matt, I really like Neil Diamond's cherry, Merry Christmas album. And I don't know how you feel about Neil Diamond, but that is a Christmas album that I come back to year after year. Um, Very Cherry Christmas is one of my favorite Neil Diamond songs. And uh, so it's a playlist. Uh, I'm actually, we don't usually include the bloody awesome element in our show notes, but I'm going to include a link to the playlist. So if you want to listen to the Christmas music that I like, there's a link. Uh, You can click it and you should, you know, listen to it. Um, I I know a lot of like Obama has released his like Spotify playlist at the end of the year for like the best of 2022 or whatever. So this is the Burke Christmas music recommendations. Um, And I'm still adding some more songs to it as I go. It's going to be a lot of like rock covers. Like I have Jimmy world doing last Christmas. I like that song. I like, I like Jimmy world's version of it. Um, Also nightmare before Christmas. I don't know if you've ever listened to like, they did like a rock version of the album. No, I haven't heard that. (laughs) Like, so corn does, uh, um, kidnap the sandy claws uh i think their version of it is better than the uh danny elfman version from the movie um and then uh uh rise against did making christmas um and i think that that song rocks like real hard with rise against doing it so like things like that it's on the playlist check it out if you're trying to get in the christmas spirit but maybe you're a little more edgy or alternative or like i don't know you just like a little attitude to your christmas that's what this playlist kind of is. And again, if you like Christmas movies, I like white Christmas and uh, hot chocolate from polar express, because that's like, it's Tom Hanks talking about hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. How do you not like that song? I don't understand. What is your problem? What's going on? Um, so yeah, that's how I've been saying bloody awesome was making a Christmas playlist and then listening to the Christmas songs that make me feel like Christmas. How about you, bud? How are you saying bloody awesome? Well, I'm staying bloody awesome. Cause I, I, I've, I've got the playlist. I saw the link and I, and I um, pilfered it. Uh, I liked the playlist. I gave it a thumbs up and it turns out I'm now a collaborator on your playlist somehow. So <laughs> I've just noticed I can add songs to it. Uh, so um, just to let you know that, John, I wasn't sure if you're aware of that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that, but that's awesome. I don't know if that's a common thing that if you like someone's playlist, you can then add to it. I didn't think that was a thing, I, but I think so initially when I first put the link, I did because I'm I'm still new to this. I added you as a I had the collaborator link. I have now fixed that. The link that is on here is just a link to the playlist. Otherwise, anyone with the link could have been joining and adding things. But yes, uh, you are now apparently a collaborator. So welcome. Um, I'm glad I caught that before I sent it out to the world. Thank you, sir. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. There you go. Beta, beta testing for you there, my friend. So um, no, I've got the playlist here. I was scrolling through it as you were talking about it. Uh, so I've liked it and I'm, I'll, I'll check it out. I listened to it in the car over the weekend, my friend. Um, my one though, John, it's, you know, it's boring. I haven't really been able to do much apart from watch films. So my, I've been staying bloody awesome <laughs> by not having COVID anymore. I know it's very boring, but uh, as I said at the top of the show, when you see those two lines appear on the test, it's, it's a week gone. 
if you've got anything about you at least you know that yeah. it's you're in you can't go to work you've got to stay at home you can't really go to the shops you can't you know maybe go and go, go in your garden or whatever but what are you going to do and it's very it's very depressing it's very annoying it's very nauseating and of course the illness doesn't help but um sort of so getting over that is how i've stayed bloody awesome and being able to watch some of these films i've been wanting to watch been able to listen to some more podcasts been able to check out some animated star wars uh been able to get out of the house i've been to work which in itself isn't always bloody awesome but it's nice to get back into the routine i think we've both said that many times on the show so and also being able to come back and do the bloody awesome movie podcast in time for pinocchio avatar and glass onion to round out this year it's not a bad way to end the year my friend so yeah being covid free is my way of being bloody awesome and i'm glad it's true i'm glad you're free of it because that thank you my friend no, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. And I mentioned the avatar, the avatar, avatar, the way of water, the sequel to Avatar from 2009. And that is going to be next week's episode. As JB alluded to in our previous segment, we are going to be dropping our avatar, the way of water, non-spoiler and spoiler minisode for that film. We are not doing one for Pinocchio, a spoiler minisode, but if again, if you're new a few days later, usually the following Monday will drop. 10 20 minute long spoiler episode of that week's film so next week we will be jumping into spoilers for avatar 2 um so let us know what you thought about pinocchio let us know if you're hyped for avatar if you want to find us online you can do uh we're on twitter at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast and john we are on instagram at uh bloody awesome movie pod easy enough and facebook we're just bloody awesome movie podcast if you want to find me online you can do at what i watch tonight.co.uk and just search what i watch tonight across twitter instagram and letterbox too and john where are you at burke reviews and at burke reviews.com but uh, on the social media platforms just at burke reviews yep go check out jb and, uh, and all the work he does over there and if you like what we're doing here please do consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice. Thank you to everyone who has done so, so far. It just helps get us up those lists and algorithm a bit more, and it gets more film fans listening to us each week, which, you know, it's always nice to see a few more listeners each and every week because it means people are enjoying what we're doing. But with that, guys, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, blood. Blood, blood, bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, blood, bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody.